Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I mean, the weather is driving me nuts. Wonderful over the weekend. Wonderful over the weekend. And then we wake up Monday morning and it's overcast and raining. What are they doing to us? And well, and it's also that you feel like spring is definitely here and then you snap back into a cold front. But we just sound like old guys complaining about the weather. We got a lot to talk about. Spring football kicks off on Saturday. Yep. The media got a chance yesterday to go out and watch tour of duty and make some observations on what they, they saw. We'll uh, catch up with Bob Ferrante about that. Had one of the all-time great moments or finishes in Florida State Athletics history the other day in Charlottesville, and one of the heroes, Harrison Prieto, is going to join us. That one's going to be on the, the short list, Keith. The weatherman. The weatherman. We may have to call okay. him the quarterback now. <laughs> I'm interested. Uh, hopefully one of us will remember to ask him about if he had any quarterback playing days. It, it may be a long time since he actually threw something. I don't know. Well, I remember when, when Duke beat Kentucky, and, of course, there's all kinds of videos about that. Grant Hill had been a quarterback. Of course, his dad had been an NFL player, right? And Grant had been a quarterback. Right. And that was, uh, I think, if memory serves, that was the reason why he was the guy throwing that pass. But Leitner had a whole two seconds to pump fake. I mean, Cleveland had nothing. It was just a – I'll tell you why I'm happy. I, I, it doesn't mean that this team's going to the NCAA. They're not unless they win the, the tournament in New York. It does mean something if you can keep the, the consecutive season streak of winning seasons going. And they're at the point – and they play tonight – if they can get one more win, either tonight or against NC State on Saturday, preferably, they'll have enough of a buffer that even if you stub your toe in New York or if you went to the NIT and lost in the first round, you still would finish with a winning record. And I know what's the difference between 16 and 15 and 15 and 16, but that means something to, to me, and I'm sure it does to, to the players, that, that have, and you've been around it, to help build this program up and to try and keep that intact. It's a little something, but it's something. Well, in the analogy I would make, and obviously the – Time was a lot different, but, you know, the, the bowl streak that the football team had. You, you don't want to be the team that causes that to end. You can't get to 25 or 30 until you get to six or eight. And so to build upon that from the basketball standpoint, I think the, the, the analogy, it, it may be a little bit of a stretch, but I think our listeners can understand where I'm coming from. Uh, on the women's side, they've, they've had a tough go of it. They've played better the last three or four weeks, but uh, as their tournament begins – the women will play Boston College tomorrow. Right now, Charlie Cream is the ESPN bracketologist on the women's side. FSU is the first team out. And Boston College is about the last team in. There may be 63rd or so. So I don't know that you can, uh, you know, nail it down and, and bet your house on it. But it would seem that if FSU beats Boston College, maybe that'll flip-flop and Florida State sneaks in. 
that's what you got to bank on. I mean, that, that needs to be part of your motivation as you go into that ball game. No question. Meanwhile, uh, we will uh, talk some baseball as well. I was out at a couple of baseball games over the weekend. I have some thoughts and observations uh, on that. So good show, Ed. The weatherman, Harrison Prieto, Bob Frante with some uh, observations from the football field as spring practice kicks off on Saturday. Uh, plus the ordinary opinions of Keith Jones and yours truly. It's uh, Front Row Knowles, and it continues right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, and we crank open that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to Bob Ferrante from the Osceola. Hey, Bob, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are good. Have you recovered from getting up at O-Dark early to go to witness tour of duty yesterday? I mean, are you all rested, relaxed, and recouped? Sure, sure. Let's go with any of those above. It's hard to complain about getting up that early when you are just standing there watching. Like, I'm not running. I'm not jumping or doing the hoops or any of the drills. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easy just to stand there and watch and, and observe. Well, spring spring practice starts Saturday, and what was your quick snapshot view as you got your first look at the team? Really, since I guess we left Florida Field in terms of the team collectively, and there's a lot of new faces in there. What was your first thought? I think some of the best developments are the guys who missed time due to injuries, surgery last year, are looking good and looking like they can um, be a part of the spring. I, I mean, Dennis Briggs is going to make the move from defensive tackle to the edge. I think that's a, a big decision for the coaches to, to utilize Dennis, who uh, we know is a hard worker and a productive guy, a guy who could be a leader there. And um, I mean, he, the, the chop block is an ugly play within football that doesn't get penalized on the offensive side, but, but Dennis is back after missing the majority of last fall. And, and he was looking really, really good. Um, so that's one good example, Joshua Burrell, a receiver who missed a lot of time last year, uh, looking good and, and moving around well. Um, seeing some of the big boys move around, great. I, I think Darius Washington is a guy who's very athletic, you know, all things considered for a 300-pound-plus body. And, and then you look at a lot of the transfers. Um, yeah, Jared Verse looks like he belongs, looks like a leader in the group, a veteran. Um, I think – the expectations do not need to be Jermaine Johnson big, but the expectations need to be productive, be a veteran, be a leader. So there's a lot of guys who definitely feel like they belong. Caden Lyles is being a leader in the weightlifting room as far as, um, you know, how many, how many reps he's doing in the squats, but also is he taking younger linemen under his wing and kind of setting a tone? So I think lots and lots of positives. Bob, the, the typical and, and standard and regular Florida State fan, I think the biggest thing they would take away from the tour of duty, mat drills, or whatever we call them in between, is the intensity. It is virtually unmatched in anything else that a football team does. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who, um, they, I think they dread it. I think it is team bonding. I think they get a lot out of it. You know, veterans can pass something down to underclassmen, underclassmen who have, who went through this in 2020. I mean, literally days before the pandemic, 
really hit and kind of screeched everything to a halt. You know, Josh Storm's saying on Tuesday, there's a lot of guys who went through this, um, you know, two calendar years ago and didn't know what to expect, didn't know what was coming from an intensity standpoint. But now those guys who are kind of feeling it out are the veterans, are the guys you can lean on as leaders. So, again, those are positives, too, I think, in the big picture as you're kind of looking for who are leaders, who are guys that are going to step up and kind of set a tone for this program throughout the offseason. So they'll get out on the field on Saturday for the first spring practice. The spring game comes up the second Saturday in April, five o'clock kick on that day at Doak. Biggest storyline as we go in, Bob. I think, I think it's overall big picture. It's building depth. It's okay. You know, the transfers are guys you can probably count on. They've in the staff has had a high batting average in terms of, okay, you land 10 transfers and, you know, four or five, six of those are productive um, starters, two deep types. Then it's, okay, how have those guys that Norvell has recruited from the high school ranks, how have those guys developed over time? I think we need to see more and more high school players develop into those productive type guys that the staff can count on. You know, looking back at some of the numbers from last year, in the Florida game, Florida State started eight transfers of the 22 guys on offense and defense that can be a good thing because he brought in guys who have experience but I don't think you have enough of the freshman sophomore um, junior senior who are kind of working their way up and, and really challenging yet challenging a lot of those guys for for big positions I, I think the one position group to answer your question maybe that that we're all going to be kind of watching is wide receiver that's the group that's had the most turnover four new guys and four guys who we think really um, to some degree are going to plug in and, you know, do they block, do they catch consistently? Uh, how much chemistry do they have with receivers? Because if this position group is more consistent is let's say um, I won't say significantly better, but at least take some steps forward. We're going to see the offense really take a step forward. I'm looking forward to watching the coaches. I know that sounds a little strange, but Coach Atkins with some different responsibilities as the OC, Coach Shannon back on the field as the linebackers coach. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the staff interacts and continues to develop, I think. And I think, again, big picture looking at it, Coach Norvell has kind of planned years ahead. You know, he, he brought in Randy Shannon as an analyst thinking that he might have an opening down the road. He had Tony Tokars on staff for two years thinking – you know, may have an opening if, if Kenny Dillingham moves on. Uh, retaining Alex Atkins as OL coach, giving him the OC responsibilities. Um, there's continuity there with the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, linemen. So continuity, I think, is a storyline where guys aren't learning a new playbook. And, and we remember going back a few years, how many, how many years in a row were these guys learning a total new playbook year after year? after you're in the frustration of feeling like I have to perform for myself, for my teammates, for family, fans, everything. And it's all new. It's all new again. So for, I think for a lot of these guys, they're, they're going through systems that they have a lot of familiarity with. And I think we should see that on the field. Maybe, maybe not so much in the spring, but I think in August and the fall. A lot of talk all offseason really about will FSU bring in an extra quarterback and obviously they don't have an extra one as they go into spring 
But let me ask you this, Bob, and I haven't assessed college football rosters. Does any team really have four quality scholarship quarterbacks anymore in this day of, of, of transferring and, and, and more to the point related to FSU. I know Tate, Tate Rodemaker has uh, apparently performed very well. He, you know, he's recognized by gets the special Jersey at, uh, at the drills the other day. Uh, is it conceivable that they have enough to go to battle with uh, even if Jordan would come down or do you, do we still, or do we need to wait and see if they need to go get somebody after the next 15 days? I think I think yes, in part. Let's wait and see and how how it develops. Let's see how much progress Tate Rodemaker can make, given 15 practices. We did see the the development Chuba made from August and September, and he looked better in, in October. Looked like a guy they they could have actually played had he not decided to transfer. So there is the potential for Tate to step up. We just haven't seen it yet, especially in a game situation, in a spring game situation. Uh, when the lights have come on, so to speak, he hasn't played his best. I do think Florida State needs a fourth quarterback. I think it needs to be a veteran with some level of experience at the college level. But but you're right. It It's always a quarterback that's going to be looking at the depth chart. Um, where can I go somewhere where I might be the starter or, or the number two? I might be a, an injury away from jumping in there. And I, I think guys are always going to be looking at what's attractive. Is there some level of stability to the program that I'm looking to in addition to the playing time. And as we're seeing, Florida State's got got some nice stability right now. Norvell in year three, the staff has, has been together. It's an attractive situation for a quarterback, but it's definitely not going to be a, a big name type of guy who, let's say in, in mid-April, is deciding to transfer. It's going to be probably a guy who knows his role, maybe sees himself as a coach one day, wants to learn from Coach Norvell, and, and he sees that as an opportunity to get some playing time, but, but maybe be a coach down the road. So I, I think Florida State is fishing for the right fit. It, it's not going to be a, a high-end marquee name type of, type of transfer quarterback. Bob, changing gears a little bit, the, the women's basketball team starts ACC play. Uh, Morgan Jones named uh, to first team all ACC. That was a great honor. Uh, the men pull off, uh, we won't call it a big miracle, but a big, big win up in Charlottesville. So we got hoops action uh, as we move forward. Yeah, I like it. You know, it, it's March Madness time when, when the calendar flips and, and we feel like there, there is some, some enthusiasm, some confidence with where the teams are going. You know, on the women's side, it, it was a team that seemed to be lacking direction. There were some struggles there, but then since that upset of, of Notre Dame, they've won six of eight. Things are going really, really well. Um, and as you mentioned, girls like Morgan being recognized on, on the men's side, I, I thought that shot was incredible. The, the, the pass, believe it or not, I think the pass was almost nearly as good as the shot. I mean, the composure in that moment that Harrison had to run the baseline and, and to be decisive with the ball, put it on the money. I mean, yeah, Matthew Cleveland's shot was incredible, but it had to start somewhere. And it, it started with a really nice uh, little play design from Stan Jones to to draw it up and to remind them of something that they've practiced quite frequently in that moment. And, um, and yeah, quite the pass and quite the shot. And I think it gives Florida state some kind of new life as far as maybe this team is NIT bound now. We're going to talk basketball in our next segment, but let, let's stay on this. So as, as fantastic finishes go in Florida state athletics history. Now, 
stakes come into the equation, everybody's going to say Jameis to to Benjamin to win a national title, right? That's that's good. But that wasn't the last play of the game. In football, there haven't been many on the last play, have there? I mean, when Dustin Hopkins beat Clemson in 2010 – Let's keep it to football hey. first, and then we'll bounce over to basketball. Back, back. Rick's, Rick's to PK Stam comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, Rick's to PK. That wasn't the last play, but there wasn't much time left. That's right. McManus to Ronald Lewis in the Fiesta Bowl at the start of the dynasty. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we're missing some. What about on the basketball court, Keith? Michael Snare had a whole highlight in terms I mean, He had he, one in uh, – um, I don't know if it was Snare – but somebody else had one in Charlottesville. I was talking with Deckerhoff yesterday. Bacon, Bacon, yeah. Bacon and Ian Miller each yeah, had. Bacon, Bacon, yeah. Bacon. That's right. Dwayne yeah. Bacon in Charlottesville. Yeah, it's it's got to be on the short list. Uh, in ter- but in terms of, uh, again, going to basketball, most of those at the buzzer have been just a, a dribble and shoot a three, not a, not a 70-foot pass and a desperation heave. I, I don't recall one like that for FSU men or women. I think one that, that we need to you know bring up is is the um, the snare corner three against Duke up in Durham, what, roughly 10 years ago where, where Luke yeah. kind of dribbles the floor. I mean, that was – degree of difficulty on the shot was not there by comparison, but in the moment, road, road setting, uh, kind of crazy road setting for, for a visiting team – I think I think those are up there just as memorable end of game scenarios, especially for for a team like this to go through losing four starters and to come up with something special like that. Um, that that's something they're never going to forget. I think we'll we'll always kind of remember this team for for a play like that. It's going to be on the all time list. Obviously, baseball and softball lend themselves to walk offs. Though Keith would say they're not walk offs necessarily, but that's but the story. basketball one was a walk off because you were one down. You missed that one. You lose. But baseball's got a lot of them. They play a lot more games, you know. Uh, J.D. Drew had one out in Omaha. Carl Jernigan had a big one in Omaha. Stephen Drew hit one against Miami in the 17th inning. So there's been a lot of base. Mike McGee had one against Vandy in the Super Regionals. Jeff Sprague against Stanford in the in the old regionals. Uh, but in terms of basketball and improbability, because I was – for them to come back to where they were and then Virginia goes down and takes the lead again with a second left – you're just thinking, really, what does this team have to do? And I think that's part of why I was so excited that they made that. Grand scheme of things, it's not going to mean a lot. But in, in the small scheme of things, it could mean a lot this week in terms of how they play tonight and how they play Saturday. Yeah, I think it's big for the confidence. And you know, we were debating a couple of weeks ago, do you want to go to the postseason? And honestly, the way this team's playing, I, I think they're showing that they've still got a lot left in the tank. And that that BC game was 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 ugly. I mean, they were they were lethargic, and it you could kind of tell that was a road game on short rest with a, a team that's very shorthanded from a roster standpoint. But let's let's play it out. I mean, what if you get Anthony Polite back for the ACC tournament? What if you get Caleb Mills back? Do you really start thinking about hey, we want to play an NIT game because? That's potentially the, the way to finish out the season. That's the way you want Anthony Plate to finish out is to have a postseason game, home or away. There, there's a lot to fight for. There's a lot for player development to get a, a postseason um, atmosphere for some of the freshmen, some of the first-year guys. And think about the scouting aspect of, of the postseason. You know, on a Sunday night is when the selection is announced for the NIT. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to scout and prepare for an opponent. Well, 
then you're going to play on Tuesday, right? It's short turnaround, somewhat similar to the NCAA tournament. And what if these guys are in that situation next March in the big dance, they get this kind of experience where, you know, short turnaround, you're figuring out an opponent, figuring out how to prepare, um, figuring out maybe, maybe how to prepare for two teams in a short window. So there, there's a lot of advantages, I think, that you can sell to the team as far as let's keep it going in, with the postseason. Yeah, I've kind of reversed course on that now, too, especially if they get those bodies back. Bob Ferrante from the Osceola, and we'll have more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, as promised, we're going to talk a little basketball this segment, and we reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to one of the heroes from the Florida State basketball team from that thrilling win at the wire in Charlottesville against Virginia. Not the guy who made the, the guy who makes the shot always gets all the attention, but what about the guy who made the pass? Harrison Prieto is with us right now. Harrison, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I, I got to ask as a starting point, first of all, uh, are you normally the guy that they're going to target to throw a long pass like that? Were you a quarterback? What what made them decide that you're the guy to, to inbound that basketball? I mean, I may have played some backup quarterback when, uh, when I was about eight or nine playing peewee football, but that's, that's the extent of my quarterbacking uh, career. But uh, no, Coach Jones just looked at me and said, can you throw the ball the length of the court? I said, yep. And, uh, and so we ran the play based off that. Harrison, I think a lot of people would be surprised that maybe you not specifically running that play, but you guys run those end to half end the end of game drills, you know, every other day in practice. That's a normal part of the preparation for a ball game, correct? Yeah, we do. And, and then, I mean, me specifically over the years, just with green team and stuff, we've run situations probably twice as much as the you know rest of the team because we'll go uh, one time for every time the the you know scholarship guys usually have gone twice. So. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with situations, so I'm not really pressed whenever we get into, all right, this is what we got to do. Let's execute, get it over with. I heard you tell Packer and Durham that you were, you were hoping to draw the charge the way you drew that, that play up. Uh, I also heard Matthew Cleveland tell one of the national media members that he was the last option on that play. Now the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because it always is, but, but describe what, what the intent of that play was and then just kind of walk us through it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first option was to get Jalen down on the baseline and, and get a charge drawn on that whenever I ran across the other side. Uh, the first op, I mean, you know, the first two options were not Matt. Matt was, in fact, the last option. Um, but when I looked down the court, I, I could see John was covered and, and so was Ray. And it didn't look like I could get, could get him the ball on a spot where they could shoot it. And I just kind of looked and see Matt, you know, running across the top of the key. And so I – so that's it's going to Matt and, and chucked it over there and it ended up being a pretty good pass. You look uh, hold, hold on, Keith. Hold on, Keith. It I, looked like I looked at the replay, Harrison. It looked like from your vantage point, you could tell when it left his hands that it had a chance. Is that true? Because it looked like you were starting to react on that. Yeah, I um uh, <laughs> I could see when it left his hands that the, like it looked like it was gonna fall kind of in line with my vision in the rim. Now, whether it was gonna be right or left of the rim, I don't know. Couldn't tell. But then as it was kind of going. Getting closer, I was like, I think that's going in. And then it, it dropped. It was really, really 
such a cool moment, you know, to have the execution of a play like that. It was unbelievably difficult. And then Matt, you know, knocks it down. Awesome. Game winner. <laughs> Now, Harrison, I know I know that you are a student of the game as well, and obviously everyone references uh, Duke, Kentucky, with their their pass and Leitner shot. Um, how how exciting is that? I mean, you know, to actually go into a hostile environment, a game you're down by ten with what under two minutes left, mm-hmm. and pull off something like that. I mean that that's got to create some enthusiasm and excitement you haven't seen in a while. I mean, I mean, the general rule of thumb with Virginia, too, is whatever you think you're down, you're down double that. So if you're down five points, you're really down 10. If you're down 10, you're really down 20 just because their pace of play is so slow. So to be down you know, 10 points with however much time, two or three minutes left, uh, and to be able to come back and even have a shot at that thing was, was unreal. Uh, and then, you know, you go into a play like that, and you're like, well, <laughs> what realistically are the odds of something like that working out? You know, how often does that work out to where we can get a shot off within one second? You're like, not high, but who knows? And and just having that work out was such like a gratifying feeling. And everybody was so excited in the locker room after. Just because, you know, we've had a hard month, too. And, and we've been fighting and fighting and fighting. And to, to get a good win like that, I think everybody was really happy with that's where I was going next. And by the way, Virginia's got to be wondering what they did wrong uh, somewhere to offend Leonard Hamilton because Ian Miller has has beat him at the buzzer in that building. Dwayne mm-hmm. Bacon has does it, done it. And now Matthew Cleveland, and that's all in the last decade. But yeah. but to, to, to your point, Harrison, uh, it, it has been a tough last month, and understandably so when you're playing without five guys at times and without four starters most of the way. So how much can that – carry you through the end of the season. You got a tough matchup tonight against Notre Dame. You got senior day on Saturday. I mean, how much can that spark you guys? Well, I mean, there's not much of the season left. So if we can get a good bit of energy here uh, off of something like that, you know, a play like that that we had on Saturday and and take that into tonight and then Saturday as well. uh, I think, I think we might be able to carry some momentum out for the rest of the year and who knows, you know, what can happen. And if nothing else, we get momentum going for next year, man. I want to see the Seminoles next year, even after I'm gone, being being good at basketball and being a powerhouse. So, um, yeah. When you were making the decision to come back for the sixth season, we've talked to you about this a little bit before. You, you're so committed to this program. Is it a little bit rewarding that you're finally getting that court time and being able? I mean, you've had you had a double double. You've uh, scored in double figures uh, a, a couple of other times. I mean, you're seeing the court. You're just not a member of the Vipers anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun, and it's definitely what you dream of, probably more than any dream you ever have as a walk-on. When you show up and you do your tryout, you're like, man, what if I get a bucket one day, right? And then something, you know, an unfortunate set of circumstances has led to me being able to play a little bit more. And, yeah, I mean, that's an unbelievable experience that I never really thought I would have, so I'm grateful for that. Um, obviously not under the circumstances that we really wanted, but um, – you know, I don't think many people get the opportunity, and I'm just I'm happy I'm, I've been able to play with it and, and do what I can. We're talking with Harrison Prieto from the basketball team. Harrison, can you walk us through a day in your life? I know you're you're taking you're working on graduate degrees or advanced degrees. You're also teaching some grad classes. I mean, what's a typical Monday or Tuesday if you're in town like for you? Uh, well, on Mondays at 9:45, I teach class. Uh, <laughs> So I'll teach my introduction to meteorology lab. And then after that, I'll go upstairs to my office and work on my MATLAB coding and my research and stuff like that for a while. Uh, and then once I finish that, I'll go to the gym. And then as soon as I finish up the gym, I'll head back home. I mean, head back to the office and do more work. I usually don't leave 
the office until like 10 o'clock at night, most nights, um, just because it's a lot of work that I got to get done. Um, and I like it. I mean, it's fun. It's just, it's just an unbelievable amount of work. So. Well, and what's the grand plan for you? I mean, everybody knows you as the weatherman. So what, what are you hoping to do with that? What are your plans once, once basketball is done for you? I've been really trying to set myself up to do something in like the weather data analytics space, right? Um, a lot of financial companies, energy companies, um, hedge funds and stuff, they, they need you know, data analytics-based meteorologists that can go in and um, kind of – there's so much you can do with data to get some kind of edge in a market that, that they will employ a lot of them. In. And so that's kind of where I want to go. Um, is that sort of space where not necessarily the flashy on camera TV meteorologist stuff. I mean, obviously like it'd be cool to be the next Jim Cantori, right? Nobody wants to be, yeah, but I don't know if that's really where I'm going to end up. So we'll see. Well, well I, at least you won't have to be the next Janice Dean. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, Cause she has had a remarkable career representing Florida state. Hey, Tommy, I was going to mention this. I'm going to put Harrison on the, on the spot uh, along those data analytics Harrison, don't forget about the insurance side. My my uh, sphere of influence, and we have this thing called parametric insurance that's out there now being developed and looked at. Don't don't leave that one alone either. No, I've heard a lot about the insurance. I have a couple of friends that do insurance stuff. So, well, and I can't speak as a former TV weather guy, but as a former TV sports guy, uh, it's it's certainly not lucrative, uh, and maybe it's a little flashy. But if you're mentioning hedge funds and what you're doing, I think you're on a better path there, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's maybe part of why I've kind of gotten pushed that way. I don't know. Hey, what's it going to be like for you on Saturday? Uh, the I, I guess depending on how the postseason plays out. Maybe FSU could host an NIT game, but I mean it's Senior Day, and you've been a part of this program for a long time and uh you you helped build it to what it is and so i appreciate your comment that you want to help get it right back there as soon as next year but but what's that moment going to be like for you on saturday um i think there's going to be a, a period of nostalgia in some sense right because this is kind of the last time i'll be in the tuck under these circumstances I, they're, they're unfortunately not hanging out waivers for a seventh year so i can't come back again and um yeah, I'll soak it in a little bit, and then I, I would imagine pretty shortly after that, it's going to be game time and trying to get a win. You know, Harrison, you, know, you about, know yet who will be with you? You know who will be on the court from oh, your my family parents, my mom celebrating for you? Yeah, my mom and dad will be here. Excellent, excellent. Hey, to that end, and we'll finish up here momentarily. We're talking with Harrison Prieto. Uh, my wife happens to be from the New Orleans area in Metairie. Her folks live in uh, – mm -hmm. my in-laws are in Kenner, and I know you're from the North Shore over there. How did you get to FSU from over there? Because it's such purple and gold LSU territory. So there's no meteorology school at LSU, and there is one here, right? And so I just kind of was looking for the best situation for me as far as meteorology and um, kind of financial aid that could get worked out for me going out of state. And uh, – and Florida State just seemed like the right fit every step of the way. I, and I, I committed to come into Florida State before I even figured out what basketball would look like, right? So I was coming as a student regardless. I'd be here, you know, I'd still be here because I knew I was going to get my master's here or at least apply and try to be. You know. so, so a lot of time in the love building. How much time in the new uh, EOAs building? Uh, I'm probably spending about three or four hours easy, maybe five or six a lot of days in the, in the EOAs building. Wow. It's a great, great building. I had a class in there last semester that I was teaching. Yeah, it's really nice. They, they did a great job with it. Hopefully you weren't teaching a meteorology class, KJ. I was not. 
Harrison, we will uh, we'll let you get going. Enjoy that moment. Now, you you do realize that's because we just had a conversation about this. That that play is going to come up forty years from now when FSU fans are talking about fantastic finishes in Florida State history, not just basketball. That that's going to forever be on the short list with the PK Sam catch down in Gainesville and uh, some walk off home runs. I mean, you you and Cleveland and this team are going to be a part of part of the lore. You can tell some stories down the road. That's good. At least I have something to talk about whenever <laughs> I was the guy that just want to remember for one thing. I'm glad it's that. And, and unlike Keith, there'll be video to prove it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my, my kids can't. Hey, my kids will see that. We got VHS somewhere. We got VHS somewhere. <laughs> Harrison, good luck tonight against Notre Dame. Congrats on all your success, not just on the court, but off the well. We wish you the best of luck uh, and, and enjoy the final stretch here. All right. Thank and, you. And, and, and if I can say so, Harrison, thank you for how you've represented yourself, how you've represented this program and, and this university. You're a credit. Uh, and a true student athlete. Thank you, son. I, I, I love you for that. I, I appreciate that. This school means the world to me. So, All right, Harrison Prieto and more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. on Front Row Knowles, jam-packed show today. Of course, many of you headed to the Tuck to see Harrison and the basketball team take on Notre Dame. I'm going to be honest, Keith. I don't love this matchup because Notre Dame can shoot the three, and and defending the three has not been a hallmark of this year's Florida State defense. But hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they are energized from uh, just getting that little shot of adrenaline by beating Virginia last week. Certainly enthusiasm and energy uh, has been something this team has been known for. They can ratchet it up just a little bit more. By the way, uh, in talking with Harrison, he mentioned uh, Cantori, uh, one of my favorite weather-related jokes. If you woke, wake up in the morning and throw open your blinds or your curtains and you look outside and Jim Cantori is standing in your front yard, it ain't going to be a good day. <laughs> yeah he's sort of the grim he's the grim reaper when it comes to that if he's heading to your town if you pass him at the airport and he's flying in and you're flying out <laughs> you know it's about Ooh, to be bad right or you pass exactly, him on the highway exactly all right so basketball tonight good luck to the women tomorrow in their game against boston college i think they tip it too and as we mentioned at the top of the show hopefully if they if they get a win they can somehow slide in because if they get a win their reward then is that they get to play NC State in the next game, and that's a that's a pretty tough matchup. So I don't I don't know that you can get two wins in the tournament, but uh, hopefully they get one first. The uh, the baseball bunch, and as Keith and I are recording uh, on Tuesday evening, they're actually playing Mercer right now, so we can't react to that game. Uh, I went out over the weekend, and I think there's a lot to like about this baseball team. Have you seen them play yet, Keith, or not had a chance? I have to get not. Out there? I have not. I've played uh, very close attention to the stat line. I've been very impressed with uh, obviously the, the Friday and Saturday night starters. I, one of the things we talked with Meet about early uh, before the season even began was he had a, a, a load of arms and finding out how to use them, who was going to be starting on Sunday, who was midweek, that type of thing. Um, I'm excited about the ball club. I hope I'm hoping that that potential translates on the field. Uh, and uh, I think it might. I think it very well might. Yeah, unfortunately, that that bevy or that plethora of arms, two or three guys were not available this past weekend. And that's probably part of the reason why they didn't end up finishing with the sweep on on Sunday against Samford. But 
Yeah, Friday and Saturday night are, are as good a combo, I think, one-two probably as there is in the country, which means you're going to have a chance to win every series, and that would include right. a postseason series uh, with those two guys. So, so that's key. They need to nail down the third starter spot. I think Ross Dunn will stay there for now. And But, but a couple things that are noticeable. One, they're not striking out nearly as much. They're, they're putting the ball in play. Uh, the Saturday game in particular, they had clutch hits, two out hits, two out RBI. That was uh, – if you went to games last year, Keith, if they didn't hit a home run, it could be a leadoff walk and the guy steals second, and he's not moving from second the rest of the inning. Right. That's how that's how right. painful it was because they weren't even they weren't even rolling a ball to second base to advance the runner last. I was going to say this, two this, two this of the three outs, yeah, two of the three outs while I was standing on second were strikeouts and probably both of them yeah. looking. Yeah, there's there's better team speed, and they they still got to figure out who's the right guy in the right situation in terms of the arms they have, but that's a good problem to have. If you've got too many guys and you're trying to whittle it down, it's better than, than trying to stretch it out and go the other way when you don't have enough arms. What was and, the, uh, what was the Jimbo phrase? It's better to say, whoa, than uh, giddy up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You'd, you'd rather be coming from a place of plenty there than a place of not enough. And I think FSU is. So anyway, it, it's early in the season, but, but I like what I've seen the weather. I'll tell you what, the crowds have been really good and, Maybe that's a combination of post-COVID, people are ready to get outside. I, I think the fact that it's been warmer weather the first two baseball weekends than it often is, and plus some optimism for what Meets put together. I think that all that plays in, but there have been some good crowds early on, so that, that's good to see as well. So then the question as we transition is, uh, is the softball team going to lose a game? <laughs> well, 15-0, and 0, that's a nice start, and they got a lot of parts and pieces to like too. They're They're – probably finishing their season in Oklahoma city again this year. You can never guarantee that because who knows what happens in the postseason. but Lonnie, once again, has pieced together a really good club. Very, very good club. If you haven't had a chance to get out and see them, it, it's an entertaining uh, game to watch uh, both in person and when you can catch them on TV. Spring football starts this weekend. Keith, we didn't talk about it with Bob. Th- this is not exciting as compared to watching what the skill guys can do and seeing if the return game gets better and all those kind of things. I would just like, as we look at next year, and we could talk about third short yarded situations, but it really goes back to first down. If it's first down and you line up just to run the ball, can you run the ball without all of the eye candy and get three to four yards so that it's second and six Instead of second and nine, I know that's not sexy, but I would just love it if we could get to that point again. You know, one of the things that have made championship football and one of the things Coach Bowden stressed all the time, uh, and, and I know other coaches subscribe to it as well, we talk about it, but I don't think fans really get their hands around it, is that, that phrase, staying ahead of the chain, staying ahead of the downs. Uh, you, you can't rely on big plays to get first downs. You get big plays to get chunk yardage and score touchdowns. You've got to be able to control the line of scrimmage. You've got to be able to, 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 to not have the negative plays and you can't get behind the chains. Um, it, it just, you, you won't be able to be consistently successful until you play funda- fundamentally sound football on the offensive side of the ball. So that, that is actually a very astute uh, observation on your part going forward. Well, it shows up more in the third in a football, third in a yard, fourth in a yard. But if you look at the last two years, Keith, 
it's not because Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham think it's cool to run the wildcat or to try and uh, fake the, the handoff to the running back because McKenzie Milton's a great option to scramble outside. It's because they knew they couldn't block it up. And so I just Mike. like to get to the point where they know they can block it up. And then the actual trickery is that you're not running the quarterback outside and you're not running the wildcat. <laughs> the one thing that I would say is the biggest improvement that they can build upon is not last year, but in prior years. Unfortunately, particularly during the Taggart time frame, it was the uh, uh, what I call the Mexican blocks or the Olay blocks where people were coming free and just lighten up the quarterback or the running back, you know, before they even got started. You didn't see much of that last year. And so I consider that a, a little bit of a victory and a little bit of an improvement. Now they got to build upon it. Well, they brought in a six, seven receiver who's known for his blocking. So that should hopefully help in those scenarios. But yeah, I agree. That's a, that's an area, but, but people are going to focus on the skill guys. And I do think uh, hopefully at the end of spring, we're thinking that the defensive backfield is really struggling and it's because the receivers are actually good. Because if you recall last fall, Keith, we came out of fall camp thinking the secondary was nails and it turned out the receiving core was maybe not as good as we thought. And, and in turn, neither was the secondary. So without question, without question, and there'll be something else we'll focus on because we got to have things to talk about. Well, and we'll do that over the next uh, month or so leading up to the spring football game. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy the basketball game tonight. We'll be back next week as always. Until then, uh, for Bob Ferrante and Harrison Prieto, he's Keith Jones. I'm Tom Block. Join us next week again right here on Front Row Knowles.